I'm going to talk about something today that I think probably is one of the most important messages that I believe that, um, that anyone can ever share. I'm glad you're here, and I pray that God would speak to you. And it is actually from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 11. Jeremiah. If you'd like to stand while we read the word, then you can or remain seated. Just read with me if you'd like. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man, the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. And he will dwell in the parched places of the desert. In a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water. That sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. And it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. And like a partridge that hatches eggs it did not lay is the man who gains riches by unjust means. And when his life is half gone, they will desert him. And in the end, he will prove to be a fool. Amen. All right, what's the saying? Thank you. We've been talking about trusting in the Lord. And last week, I think I summed it up by saying this one thing I heard a pastor say. And all that we're saying, if the Bible could be summed up in two words, I believe it would be when God says, trust me. Trust me. And what this scripture is saying is, is that those who trust in man are the flesh, they're just not going to make it. They run out of strength. There's no prosperity there. But those who trust in the Lord, there's a blessing that results as a result of that. Now, we've been talking about this, trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and leaning not on our own understanding and all of our ways acknowledging him and he will direct our paths. We know that. trust in the Lord but every day when we leave this place is where the rubber hits the road isn't it so whatever we face in life God is saying that this is not just obviously for the spiritual thing we trust God for our salvation through Jesus Christ but we trust him for all the circumstances in our lives and every day in my life and I know in your life is fate we're faced with different circumstances we have no idea what's going on Lynette going down going on and has an accident she had no idea that that accident, we don't choose this, and it was an accident, and so forth. We do not know what the future holds. We just know our faith and trust is in the Lord. And when we trust in Him, we can obviously know that somehow He brings us through it. Now, don't know exactly all the adversity that result in that, but somehow God always comes through for us, but we've got to trust Him. And sometimes we know that faith is not walking by sight. We can't see it. But in trust, you can't see it ahead. I like to see what's ahead. I like to know what the future holds. And God doesn't show us the future. 
He just says, I give you enough light to walk in the present time right now. But you've got to trust me. I'm already out ahead of you. I already know what's going to happen. I'm already making a way. No matter what goes on in your life, I am with you. And we talked about it in Sunday school. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? So, we're talking about here, there's actually a curse. We believe, we trust in man. Man, obviously, is symbolic of the flesh. And let me explain to you what that is. The flesh, I've talked about it before. But actually, the flesh is actually the fallen nature of man. That's the old nature. When you got saved, I got saved, you were born again. And the flesh, obviously, was overcome by the spirit. The Spirit of God came to reside in your life and my life. Changes our lives. We begin to see things differently. We begin to have different desires than we had before we got saved. And But yet the flesh is always there. And that's that old sinful nature that's there. It doesn't go away until we go to heaven. Okay? Somehow we thought, well, once I'm a Christian that everything will be just smooth sailing. Well, it's not. Actually, I've always told you, once you accept Christ, is that we know the enemy, the Satan himself, the demonic horde of, of demons that he has, obviously they come against you to try to keep you from witnessing and keep you from living the, the life of victory in Jesus Christ. That's their primary concern. They can't get you and take your salvation away, but they can keep you from being joyful and having peace and all the other things that God wants to have in our life. And there is a war going on. And the war is between the flesh and the spirit there. Okay, And we make choices every day. And we can choose how the spirit leads or we can choose the flesh. We can go the way of man. The world today is going in the wrong way. And we actually are going against the world. You know, upstream, just like those salmon that you see jumping out of the water, they're going upstream. We're going against the tide of our culture because our culture is not seeking the Lord. Our culture is obviously walking strictly by their flesh, their sinful nature. They've not been saved. But for you and I, we know that we obviously can have the victory. And so the title, again, is how do we have this victory? And that's what we want to talk about today. Because it's very, very important to understand. He's not just talking about non-believers. He's talking to Christians. Actually, when we talk about Jeremiah and then other scriptures that we'll mention, it's talking to Christians, you and me. Every day we make choices. Some of them big choices. Some of them small choices. But we can charge or choose to go the way of the Spirit or we can choose to go the way of the flesh, that old sinful nature. That old sinful nature is still there. You know, we thought it, it, it rears its ugly head every now and then. Things come up, maybe out of anger or frustration or uh, anxiousness and all types of things. We come, I thought that I had that under control. I thought everything was okay there. And all of a sudden, bam, there it is again. That's the old flesh that's there. So we want to talk about how can we have the victory in all of this. Because I think this is really a warning for all of us as Christians here. We talk about it. And we don't and can't trust in the flesh. In Galatians 3, verse 3, listen to what he's saying. Paul is talking to the church there, uh, the Galatian church. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
You know, we start out when you get first got saved and, you know, it was, uh, boy, I, I just want to follow Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I want to I, I be more like Jesus and, and your behavior and all these types of things. Before long, you find yourself sometimes drifting, sort of like wandering away. And so what happens is, is that you started out strong. You started out there in that race and that journey called life. And you begin out in the spirit, the power of God's spirit and so forth. And before long, you begin to get back into the things that maybe you did before you got saved. And maybe what the world presents. And sometimes those temptations continue to come on you and me and so forth like they are. See, we are not obviously uh, a void of those things. They're real. They're things that happen. How can we get through this and have the victory? Philippians chapter 3 says this. For we are true, the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. The flesh will lead you in the wrong direction. And a lot of people are going that way. Certainly non-believers because they're not saved. But a lot of Christians today have chosen that, that particular path. All humanity is bound up in sin and the sin nature. Those who don't know the Lord never accepted Jesus into their lives. They're bound up. They don't know any better. So they go the way of that old nature because that old nature rules them. When you ask how could somebody do this and that, it is very normal and actually what their true nature is, okay? That doesn't mean that we look down on them. And it doesn't mean that we don't thank God. But it's all grace, amazing grace. We can't earn it. It is just free, unmerited favor to you and to me and to the world and all who will believe upon him. But it means that's the way they're going. So it doesn't obviously surprise you or shouldn't surprise you and me the way that they are going. So your old sinful nature, it says in the Bible, that it died with Christ. But most of us grasp that as a figurative point of view. But we get the concept that we're supposed to be dead to sin. Sin's supposed to have the lost its power over us. And we're supposed to have been raised up with Christ and have the power of the Holy Spirit to live by. But practically, that doesn't always happen, does it? And so I want to tell you today how, what we're going to do and how that can take place because every Christian can have the victory. Jesus does not want us to walk in the bondage in our life. He forgives us, praise God. And he forgives us because 1 John 1, 9 talks about if we confess our sin. He forgives us past, present, and future. But he wants us to walk in that freedom because that burden of that old nature, the sin when you, when you sin and then the shame and the guilt come on you. It'll stifle you in your walk with Jesus. Do you know we do that? I know we personally. It will stop. It will stop you there. And so, do you ever feel or get tired of failing, of sinning, or are you surprised by what you do and how you fail? And most of us, we could relate to that. Are you ever surprised by that? Well, our failures must beg a question from us: How do we live the Christian life? If we do it by our own efforts then we're consigned to a miserable, joyless life. The fact of the matter is, I can't live the Christian life without Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 15, Jesus is saying that he is divine and we are the branches. So we're connected to him. So what we're doing is actually everything comes from him. We're actually drawing our strength from him. We're drawing our life from him. We're connected to him. And he says this in John chapter 15, the first few verses. He said, because apart from me, you can do nothing. 
of any eternal consequence, certainly. We can do things. But anything that really would make a difference apart from Jesus, do we believe that? Or do we try to strive in our Christian life? We just got to be a little bit better. And so the flesh comes in and begins to do the, uh, just tell you, you know, you just need to do a little bit better here and there and so forth. But you're saying, Lord, when you and I come to a place and when we say, I can't do this, God says, good, because I can. And he will do it through us. In fact, Michael, if you put up, did Lynette put Galatians 2.20 up there? Everybody know the scripture? Yeah, here we go. Read it with me. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself for me. I've been crucified. It's dead. But certainly, I no longer but Christ who lives within me. When we learn to allow the life of Jesus Christ to live through us, we'll have the victory. Does this make sense? I want you to get this because this is so important because a lot of times what a Christian does, we strive in the flesh, in our own strength to try to do just a little bit better. And God said, no, what it is, it's a life of surrender. It's a life of saying, I can't do it, Lord. But I know you can do it through me. Now, I won't explain exactly what that is because y'all are looking at me like deer in the headlights, okay? <laughs> I want to see that because this is obviously very important. But it is, the, in essence, one of the most obviously important things you can learn as a Christian so that you can have the victory. I want the victory. If I'd say, you want the victory in your life? Everybody go, yeah, yeah, Jim. I want the victory. I, I, I want to please the Lord. Jesus said that he did, only did what pleased the Father. Okay? And then he said also, only do what I see the Father doing. Only do what pleased the Father. We here as Christians, your nature has died. That old nature has died. And so the, what comes at, right behind it is the fact is, all I want to do is please the Lord. And then you wind up where you do things that you don't please him. And what do you do? You try to say, well, let me pull myself up by my bootstraps again and maybe try a little bit harder. And God is saying, no, it's about surrender. It's about what's called the exchange life. We exchange. We gave him our life, and he's given us our life. And he, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. You have the very life of Christ in you as the Spirit of God. Everybody here that's saved today, you have Christ, the life of Christ in you. And the Bible says in Colossians, the hope of glory. And so we learn, we grow by this because the, the, the futility of the flesh. The flesh says, I want control here. Remember we talked about trusting God? And really what it boils down to when we don't trust God and why that is, is because we won't control. <laughs> We're afraid if we let go in one way or another and give God control of our life, then what's going to happen? We've got to kind of hang on to it, man, until we're gritting our teeth. And yet... That won't work. What happens? You get tired. And you go, man, I don't, this Christian life is just too much. I can't do it. I've got to learn. Allow Jesus to live through you, to change your behavior. He's the one that can do it. Because apart from him, the Bible says you can do nothing. We'll be living by rules and laws and performance. And we'll never obtain what God requires of us. And never loving enough 
and never doing enough. It doesn't work otherwise. Living the Christian life was never meant to be possible. We're one with Christ. And that means obviously something that I know you're going, are you, Jim, are you theologically correct on this? And so it's not without Christ. It's the life of Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not about me trying to do a little bit better or trying to come in here. See, I can come in here every week and smiling, oh man, here I am. Here comes the preacher. Here he comes and all, and I can put on, you know, and kind of button up and all this stuff and look real good. But down in my heart, God begins to examine. And God knows where I'm really trusting. Because, see, I can, you look good before people. And yet, down deep, you're saying, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. And I can't do it, Lord. I've tried, and it's not working. Because it's impossible for the flesh to live, obviously, in the Christian life. I want to propose to you today something. The reason we fail is that we're trying to perfect our lives according to the power and the strength of our flesh. Our fallen, sinful, fleshly nature. We fail because of that. Let me explain it. You remember some time ago here, the bracelets, WWJD? What would Jesus do? Uh, There's nothing, I, I, I don't exactly, I don't want to be dogmatic on this and so forth, but really in the sense of God is saying here that you really can't imitate him. You try to be more loving. You try to be more kind. You try to do this and that. Certainly you want to be, obviously, use the correct words and, and be loving and kind. But in essence, the bottom line, foundationally, it has to be the life of Christ through you. Because if not, you're going to fail along the way. So really, we can't be good enough. Jesus doesn't want us in that sense without him to be good. It is his goodness in us that flows through us. And Jesus doesn't want us to act good in that sense. It is Jesus living his life in and through us. The Bible says that we've obviously, we've been crucified with him. And I no longer live the old flesh that's there. But it's Christ who lives within me. The exchange life is a life of surrender. Of yielding up to God. On what? A moment to moment basis. The only way. And so often how I feel like, hey, man, I can get real close to the Lord here today and and then go out here and, let me tell you, be distracted by everything that's going on and so forth and not consult the Lord on anything. And yet God is saying, you can't do anything. Why are you doing it in your own strength? Trying to make decisions that we know are very important in our lives and all of us have them. And trying to do that and not really coming to the Lord and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me your power in this situation of adversity that I'm facing. I need you, Lord, desperately, and I can't do it on my own. So the life of a Christian is a life of surrender. And the miracle of the Christian life is Jesus living his life in and through us substitutionally. We're called to live a substitutionary life with Christ. It's also called the exchange life again. It's the best description of the nature of biblical Christianity. We're not called to imitate Christ. What are we called to do? To follow him. To follow him. You can't. The old nature is too strong. And pride in your life and my life is too strong. 
You remember what got Satan kicked out of, uh, out of heaven? He was a beautiful angel. They, the scriptures talk about he's probably one of the most beautiful angels. Probably uh, God's worship leader. <clears throat> and he actually, uh, he got prideful. He said, uh, obviously, he said, hey, you know, I want to become God here. Okay. And what happens in our lives when that old fleshly nature is there? We want to be Lord over our lives. We don't want to give it up. We don't want to just raw trust God for it, okay? Because what we'll do is, we always, as I mentioned last week, we always have a second option here. If it doesn't work out trusting God, we've got an option that we take control and we can make it happen. And that's when we get in a whole heap of trouble. We get out from what God has. So it's that life of surrender. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within us. And so we know I'm called to let Christ live in me. And listen, that is the essence of trust. This is what we've been talking about. Remember we talked about trust and worry? <clears throat> and when you're worrying, you're not trusting the Lord. You've got financial issues. You've got uh, family issues. You've got... Uh, Cultural issues, you've got everything, every issue, issue under the sun. We, we have to trust the Lord. That's why your prayer life is so important. My prayer life is so important. And, and that's why our communion with God on a regular basis is so important. And listening and walking with Him. <clears throat> I pop in on Sunday and pop out. And then if there's no connection during the week, then more than likely we're going to go AWOL here. <laughs> there's got to be a connection there. Because every day we need the Lord desperately. And we need His life flowing through us to, to reach out and touch a lost world. A world that is without any hope. And that's what Jesus is saying in the scripture here. That's why trust is the essence again. And that's how we will be like a tree planted by the waters that it talks about here. The roots go down and it reaches over into that stream. Cindy and I go to Colorado, you know, a lot of times we've gone every couple of years, sometimes once a year, but we love it because we love the mountains, love to sit down by the streams. And we look at those big old uh, trees, a lot of them pine trees, and they're sitting close to the stream. And they're sitting over there, and I, I think probably I'm going, well, I hope it doesn't erode away to where they fall in the stream. Some of them do, but anyway, those trees look healthier than any of the others. They look really healthy, and they get really big. It's because they're drawing their nourishment from the streams. That's the way it is with our relationship with Jesus. We're the branch. He's the vine. We draw our strength from Him. Everything comes from Him. It is all about Him, because if not, then we'll try to claim all the credit, <laughs> and we want the glory. God says, you can't do nothing without me. We've got to allow to learn to live my life. And that really is not necessarily a long learning experience. It's just surrender, Lord. We give up when I come to that place and saying, I can't do this. God says, okay. And then God gives us the strength. God will give us the wisdom. God will give us the direction we need. And then we go. That's when things happen and happen according to his will. Any, obviously, should don't ought to, to be obviously should don't do is, is ought to be uh, it's a flesh a work of the flesh here Christ in you the hope of glory let me read Colossians chapter 1 so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations 
but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery, Christ in you and me. He lives in each believer by spirit today. Isn't that wonderful? We're never alone. He's always with us. He always gives us what we need and ample supply, whatever it is what we need. In fact, when we have him, we have all we need. You believe that? When we have Jesus Christ, we have all there is. Here we go. Let me explain it this way and see if we can catch this because I know I'm trying to get that deer in the headlights look off your face. Sin is a law, okay? It is condition of our hearts, the law of the flesh, all right? See if we can catch this. Sin's not a, merely a matter of conduct. If you see it as such, uh, you'll try harder, pray more in order to overcome the next time. But you'll be fighting in the power and strength of the flesh, okay? Sin is a law, and it cannot be overcome by our will, which is an extension of the flesh here. One law can only be overcome by a greater law, the law of the spirit of life. In Romans chapter 8, there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We all know that scripture. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. We have the spirit of life in each one of us. Made us free from the the law of the sin of the law. The law of sin. One has to trump the other. The spirit of life in you overcame that and saved you for eternity to be with him. And it's the law of the Spirit that sets us free. That's why trust is a key ingredient to the Christian life. God doesn't need our help. Y'all, we know that. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our efforts, obviously. He doesn't need our ability, but rather our availability to trust him. Our availability. Surrender. Thank you, Lord. Are you afraid that God's not big enough to deliver you from a temptation? God's able to make you victorious without the help of your resolutions. I don't know about y'all. Do anybody here make, still make New Year's resolutions? I've made resolutions up here. I made resolutions. And I want to tell you, before the month of January is over with, I've already broken all those resolutions. Anybody ever kept a resolution the whole year in this place? If you have, tell me how you do it. I break it within 30 days. A guarantee. Sometime in a sooner time than that. See, you're talking about it here that you can't, obviously. We try and we try a little bit harder. But see, when we learn... To yield our hearts to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't. I can't do it here. So the law in us of the Spirit will deliver us from the law of sin. And it is an act of trust, of rest, that permits us to experience this. Not activity, but rest. Trust is rest. It's not resistance. It's rest. Okay. It's rest. Ever heard of the old saints? If you read some of the old stories of of people that walk really closely with the Lord, they used the phrase that they rested in the Lord. They trusted the Lord. They totally were sold out. They trusted Him to take care of it. So today, you're trying to figure out, what. He, okay, let's put it where the rubber hits the road. Whatever you're facing today, are you trying to figure it out? You're trying to make it happen. You're trying to figure out. See, what's happening is our life is so busy and our life is so complicated. 
and all these things are entangled amongst one another. You're looking at it and you go, ain't no way I can manage that. There's no way. Why not step back and say, Lord Jesus, would you take this and I'll trust you to take care of it. And watch what happens. It's supernatural. We are called to live a supernatural life. We're not called to live a life in the natural, in the flesh. Because the flesh is again going to get you and I off course every time. And God is saying, why not let me handle it? Let me take care of it here. So Christians are to resist temptation not by refusing to move towards it or moving away from it. But instead by an act of trust. By looking up to Jesus. When you're tempted, what do you do? You look up to Jesus. And you say, Jesus, take care of this temptation. If you're prone to something, something's coming, the enemy's coming against you, you look to Jesus and say, take care of it, Lord. I can't. I can't do it. There are three choices when you're faced with temptation knocking at your door. Number one, you answer it. You give in to it, right? Or you don't answer it and you resist temptation. Or the third choice is you can ask Jesus to handle it. He can handle it. Trust Christ who dwells within us. And it seems this is oversimplified. Yes, but obviously, <clears throat> defeat is not caused by too little work on our part, but by too much by our own efforts. It says in verse 6, For he will be like a bush in the desert, and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony washes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. You feel bogged down. You feel like, man, I'm just surviving here. I'm just kind of treading water here. It's because more than likely you're trying to just get a little bit better. You're trying to obviously say God's favor is not enough in you. You're trying to make it happen. See, that old pride is there. It keeps coming back. The old flesh, it continues to come back. And God knows it. So he gave us a resolution. He gave us the, the answer to our, our dilemma. Letting Christ live within you. A lot of times we're living only to trying to survive. But this is not God's plan for us. Are you feeling dried up, worn out, defeated, without hope? If you feel like temptation overcomes you too easily and wonder what a vic victorious Christian life looks like because you haven't seen it in a long, long time. If you are, then obviously you're in that desert there and you're trusting in your own strength. You get tired. The life of a Christian, obviously, it doesn't mean inactivity. I'm not talking about inactivity. But the activity is Christ living within us. We're listening to the Lord. Again, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And only do what pleases Him. This church here is not called to do every ministry as all the other big churches, mega churches in the area. This church has a particular mission and vision to follow what God's Spirit is leading Lighthouse Fellowship to do. Now we wound up as Don came here and we connected with Don. And then Don and, and others through Save and Randall, through Save Savage, came and said, We believe that there's a connection taking place here. Can we pray about it? And we began to pray about it. And God began to open doors to have that ministry come together with that. I had no idea that that was going on. I didn't go, hey, let's go get bikers of these others and try to bring them in here. That was a further thing from my mind. But here God's saying, if you'll trust me, I will do these things in and through you that people's lives will be blessed. And I'm blessed. How about you? 
I didn't have anything to do about it or with it, okay? But God did it. That's the truth for you and me. We try to make things happen. We try to step out and do this because sometimes we don't like that waiting on the Lord. Do you know waiting on the Lord is a major phrase in the Bible? Isaiah chapter 40. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. We know that scripture. I love it. Those who wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Wait on him. Look to him. Pray and ask him. And then do what God tells you to do. Because it will be the life of Christ coming through you. But you won't be earning it. You know that it came directly from God. We talked about in Sunday school. And we said, when God has touched you, do you ever forget it? No, everybody went, no, you don't. You always remember it. Do I remember all the things that I did in the flesh? No. But when God does it, and God initiates it, and God starts it and does it through me, man, it is a glorious experience. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's what we're talking about. But we work and strive, and we do all these things, and man, we get tired. I want to tell you, what a wonderful blessing in knowing we can rest in the Lord. We can wait upon the Lord. Three blessings for trusting. No fear. You're afraid? You're not trusting. You're not waiting. You're not allowing the life of Jesus. Was Jesus afraid of anything? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the whole crowd eventually crucified him. Was he afraid? No. He had perfect confidence in his father to take him through that time. When he knew he would be nailed to a cross, that he would be placed in the grave, he trusted the Spirit of God to raise him up on the third day. He's alive and he lives forevermore. Hallelujah. Was he afraid? No. Was he anxious? No, he wasn't. But that's the same. We have the life of Jesus in us. And why do we get anxious? Why do we get fearful? Why do all these things happen? Because why? We slide over into the flesh. We want to do it ourselves. We've got to take these precautions. Now, we all like insurance. And there's nothing wrong with having insurance. But when you look at this spiritually, we want insurance spiritually. Again, kind of like, well, God, if you don't come through... I've got another plan here, an option B. And God is saying, no. See, I've always got a way out here in my own strength. And God's saying, no, that's not trusting me. Trust me, because let me tell you, sometimes God doesn't act as fast as we want him to. How many of you know that? (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we're waiting. Sometimes you're praying about for people that need to come to the Lord. Sometimes that you're praying about your job situation because your, your, your boss is just as nasty as he, he or she can be or, or whatever. You're going, I deserve better than this. I deserve a better salary. I deserve a better environment and conditions and so forth. And so what you do is you bail ship. And what do you do? You jump from the frying pan into the fire. Because God is saying, trust me. I have you there for a reason. Now, if if after prayer and getting counsel and so forth, God tells you then to move, then move. But many people will bail. And God is saying, I haven't taught you what I want to teach you as of yet. And you're going to have to go back through the trial again. Do you know the life of the Christian? Jesus teaching us. Remember Abraham? Abraham went through about seven trials. Okay? 
Because why? It's because through that process of the, of the trials and the tribulations and the, the adversity, he makes us more like Jesus. But man, when the, when the heat gets hot, let's get out of the kitchen, right? He's saying, if you allow the life of Jesus, if you wait upon me, you pray and let me speak, let me guide you. He said, you'll be able to come through it. And God will do it in a powerful way. This past week, there was some anxiety over some upcoming responsibilities. All many things are happening. You know, I became a little fearful about having enough time to do everything. And, and God uses these verses to show me that my fear and anxiety were the result of my ability to accomplish things. See, I, I have education. I've got all this stuff. Man, I could do this. I've done it before and so forth. And so I made a choice to give it to God. And, and I yelled a few times, God, I give it up to you. You ever done that? I give it up to you. I can't do it. God says I can. But he wants us at that place. Because if not, we'll say, we'll kind of like, hey, let's grab a hold of some of the glory. I did this. I did, had a part in this and so forth. And again, Jesus said you can do nothing apart from me. And nothing there in the Greek means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay. The other uh, thing is about fruit. We need to bear fruit. If you're just working, trying to work it out on your own, it doesn't work, does it? You don't bear the fruit. You don't become more loving, loving, more kind, more joyful. What do you do? You become tired. You get more grouchy. I know y'all don't have any trouble with being grouchy. I do. Grouchy, grumpy. Because you're working, you're striving, and it's not working. You're like, wow, I got to get this done. And this, obviously, where the rubber hits the road is right where our marketplace and the, the workplace we're at and so forth. You're at and you've gotten, you're talking to somebody in your mind. You said, Lord, I don't no longer live. But it's Christ living in me and through me in this situation to deliver me, to get me through this thing with this person that I don't even like. Okay? It's the life of Christ, exchange life. He gave us his life so that we would know this rest that we have. But we work, we strive, we do this and that. And God says, Put it in my hands. Rest. Be still. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Everybody knows that verse. Be still. And that be still in the Hebrew means put your hands by and by your side. Relax. And actually it means relax. You ever told somebody that was real tense and so forth? Relax. <laughs> I get more tense when they yell at me like that. Relax. God is saying, be still and know, I got this. But you got to trust him. The deer in the headlight looks, it's kind of coming off a little bit. Everybody catching up? <laughs> I love it. In these few moments together, I can't really do justice in regards to this particular and way you live. But I can say this. Our calling is to trust everything. And that's the active act of digging our roots down deep into who Jesus is. And understanding. When he says in Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Is that he is with us. He's here right now. He is with us. He never comes and goes. He's not fickle. 
He doesn't come and go. He doesn't come and go. Even when we do things that we know we shouldn't do. He's always with us. He's always there. We turn to him. We confess and we repent. But we are carrying around way too much fear and anxiety. As a result, we're all bearing way too little fruit. And it's fruition of, of obviously the flesh that's working hard. Trying to gain God's favor. Have you ever thought about that? Why do you pray? Why do you try to be obedient? Why do you take, you know, am I being, am I being obedient enough? Am I doing this and that enough? Am I doing that enough? The Lord really please you and, and all. And we get caught up in it before long. We're tired. When Jesus said, I love you. I love you beyond anything you would ever imagine. If you'll just give it to me. Just let me have it. You are very pleasing to me. And my favor will never, my grace will always be sufficient no matter what you face in life. My grace will always be there. And we can't earn any grace. It's unmerited favor. It's just given. It's a gift. Gift of Jesus Christ. Okay. The prayer is, Lord, I trust you to live in me. I trust you to be humble for me. I trust you to overcome for me. I trust you to manifest your life in me. And I trust you to live my life for me. (laughs) You like that? I trust you, Jesus, to live your life for me. Everybody can get this one. Man, the deer in the headlight looks came down. Because we understand that, don't we? Hallelujah. Because we can all do that. We can do it. Lord, I choose to trust in you, to depend upon you. I cannot do it on my own. I can't even live for you on my own. Live through me. I surrender now. I lay everything down. I lay myself totally in your hands, in your arms, and I let go. And I look to you alone. Everybody can do it. Hallelujah. Simple. Isn't that that great? The Word of God. I can't do it, Lord. So whatever you're going through, whatever issue that you're facing today, work, family, um, financial, uh, health, Whatever it is, Lord, I can't do it. It's just not working, but I give it to you, and you can. And then let God show you. Now, we partner with the Lord, and I've talked about that. We partner with him, we, we uh, walk with him, and we follow him. We're followers of Jesus. But we obviously know it's his strength. Because again, why? It's because we're connected to the vine. We're the branch. And we're drawing strength and power from Him. Whatever it is that we need is coming from Him. And His power, obviously, in your life and my life, is enough to get you and I through anything that we face in life. I mean, we can go through full speed ahead, can't we? It's the power of the Lord. It's the strength of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. It's His life in me and His life in you that will get you through anxiety and fear and these things that we know we face on a regular basis because what's happening today? What happened when COVID went around? I've talked about it. Fear was propagated. Bam, bam, bam. Everything was about fear. Oh my gosh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. We better get under. We just better hunker down in the house. Do you know they're saying that actually some of the spread of the COVID more took place in the homes and the shutdown than it did out in the community from what they can understand and see? Okay, but we shut down because we're all going to die. They said well, the way they were talking about it to begin with, this pandemic, it went from epidemic to pandemic and went on. When they used the word pandemic, I thought, oh my gosh, we're all done. This is it. Jesus, you're taking us home. 
But see, that fear comes out. And Jesus is saying, when you know and trust him, you do not have to be afraid. Fear is not of the Lord. He didn't give a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. But fear comes in and grips your heart. Do you know that's one of the tactics the devil uses? He wants you to be afraid. Be afraid about your future. Be afraid about where you're going. Said, you know, you sin against the Lord here. I mean, you, you said these words or you had these thoughts or whatever else. And he begins to hit you and says, you know, you're not going to make it. <clears throat> because you didn't do this and you didn't do that. That's not God. If you said something wrong, go to him, confess it to him. And trust him. Because he will forgive. He forgave. Past, present, and future. Praise God. Okay. Fear. Anxiety. More things, more people are anxious today than ever. Anxiety comes because we're not trusting God. We're not trusting Him. Now, this is no condemnation on that. But it is reality. It's a a truth that we grab a hold of. And let God work it in our hearts. Now, when I've talked these things before, I've talked about it from the standpoint is, is that I'm not wanting to just give you information or the word, the word of truth. But I want you to experience it. And sometimes that takes, you know, seeds are being planted in my heart and your heart. And and the Spirit of God will work these things in our lives. Do I know how to walk it perfectly? No, I don't. But I know it's truth. And I know who the answer is. His name is Jesus. And when I rely upon him and when I get into adversity, when I look up and say, Jesus, help me. Do you know how he helps us? He helps us every time. All of us know the author, Max Lucado. Everybody here? He's written a bunch of books, okay? And he has a book on the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit lives within us. The Bible, Jesus said, it's expedient. I've got to go back to the Father because then the Father can send the Spirit who will be in you and be with you, okay? And he said something when I was listening to someone interview him about that book. And he said, when we get in trouble sometimes... You know, we want to pray this long prayer, which is fine. But he said this, why don't you just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Something changes when you do that. Because you recognize, like, you can't do it. Can't live your life apart from him. Is this encouraging or what? And the word of God encouraging. I love it. Love the word. Just trust him and give it to him. I can't do it. But you can. Amen? I know I've been crucified with Christ. But I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. I no longer live. I'm a dead man. How about y'all? A dead lady. Dead man. We're dead. So live your life through me. Everybody got it? Got it. Amen. All right. Thank you for your attention. I want to share with you and hand out a couple things with you. Thank you again for your attention. Can I get a couple? Sid, would you pass out these, please? These are a couple things I I told you I would baffle you with paperwork. (laughs) Okay. But I want to... Can I get a couple? Daryl, thank you, sir. One to each person. It's enough there. Should be 25. And these are two things. We had our leadership meeting, and I passed out a devotional that I thought was very 
appropriate for us, which you'll see heal our land on this one. It's by Ray Steadman. He's a pastor, but he's very well, well written, easy to understand, and he has a heart to see revival for this nation. Thank you, thank you. Because Jesus is the only answer. And you can read, this is what I handed out. And somebody said something about it. And I said, I'll get you a handout of it. Did you get that side? That side? That you, they got one? They got, everybody got one? Okay. <laughs> everybody got two? Y'all can read this later. But it's Heal Our Land. You get two? Diane, you got two? Okay. There you go. Thank you. Hit this side here. Uh, heal our land. Okay? Jesus is the only answer. And this particular author, I think, articulates it. I saw this devotional. And my focus, obviously, is on renewal and revival for the church. He begins with the church. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I get one. Thank you. Okay. That last, look at the last page on Hear Our Land, and we'll be quick with this. Got a couple minutes, but I'll finish it. Look at the last page, page three on Heal Our Land. Okay. There's only one attitude that will avert the coming judgment of God. Repentance, deep humiliation before God, and understanding and acknowledgement of guilt. A willingness to recognize that we have lost our right to exist as a nation. And a cry to God that he will heal us and change us and forgive us and heal this land. And when this occurs, God himself assumes the responsibility to recover the nation. Despite all the damage which has been done, he will restore the years. And according to Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament, that the locusts have eaten. But if a nation ignores God... It goes down into the dust of history as hundreds of kingdoms and nations before us have perished. And then the prayer is, Lord, I ask you to heal us as a nation, heal our land, and turn us from evil. That's about revival and healing our land, okay? Y'all can look at it, pray it, pray over it, and ask God to use it um, to, for our hearts to turn to him. Now, mission in action. <clears throat> Samson, Indian. If you'll look, what's going on in India? Look at what's happening. This church supports that mission in action, okay? And this is actually sharing with what's happening not too long ago. And Samson sent me a, a letter here, okay, of what we've given, all right? And here's what's happening. Listen to this. This is encouraging. Together we're helping the orphans and the poor to have a, in the second paragraph, to have a better life and a brighter hope for tomorrow. Because of you, these children in India, okay, have a loving home and to grow in a safe environment. We're not only taking care of the children's physical needs, but also the spiritual needs as well. It's a great privilege to partner with you to help the helpless and the hope to the hopeless. Otherwise, they would not have a chance or opportunity for a better life and to come know the love of Jesus Christ, okay? Here we go. We've given tens of thousands of Bibles in 16 different languages because in India, there are many different, not just the Indian language, there are many languages there that are 
of the Indian dialect. The Bible we're giving to people is literally changing their circumstances and transforming their lives as they study and apply the Word of God. We received so many wonderful reports from church leaders and from people who received the free copy of the Bible and how their lives being positively impacted by the power of God's Word. Okay? God is doing awful things through the gospel truck, Church on Wheels. It's reaching two to three unreached villages every day with the gospel. And many have accepted Jesus Christ, their personal Savior and Lord. God's love and grace continuously saving people and adding them into his family daily. The churches are growing spiritually and in numbers. We've raised 3,000 for Ministries Retreat Center in India, a place where pastors and missionaries who are laboring for the Lord in harsh regions and living below substandard can come with their families for spiritual, physical, and emotional renewal. The property by the beach is still available here, so we won't go on here. Giving God the glory, Samson is talking about. He's been here. So what's happening is that we're giving monies that we're giving to Bibles for kiddos, kids. They have no idea who Jesus Christ is. And this is in India. And these Bibles are being translated into the different dialects in the Indian language. And they are coming to Jesus. And they have a, a, a wagon that actually goes into the villages and actually shares about the love of Jesus Christ. And there are people that accept in Jesus. Remember, India has three primary religions. One is Christian. There are small Hindu and also Muslim. Those three religions. The Muslim religion in the upper north part of India are hostile towards Christians. Samson has been, the government has a, has a thing out for Samson. Samson has lawyers on it to try to keep because he is Indian. And they wanted to keep him out of India because they don't want Christianity coming in. I can stand before you today and share about Jesus, and we have. Amen? And I'm so thankful for that, obviously, grace that God gives us as a nation here as we share about the love of Jesus. But other countries are not like that, a lot, many of them. But we're giving towards the Bibles that are going into, these, into India and actually Nepal, okay, and, and the, the, about who Jesus Christ is. And they have no idea who Jesus is. And there are youngsters coming to Jesus. And they're obviously parents and so forth. This is where uh, what we're giving as far as our missions giving goes towards. I wanted you all to know that. This is putting it, uh, our, our feet to uh, our action. Okay. Amen. Keep praying. Pray for God to move. Pray for God to turn people's hearts. I pray that. Every day for God to strike my heart with the fear of God. The fear of God. Because we've lost the fear of God. Now I'm not talking about in a sense. Yeah he's an he's a awesome God. But certainly the reverence for him. And respect for him. And I pray for this nation. That God would strike the ne- heart of this nation. With the fear of God again. We will return to the fear of God. Because what happens when people turn away from the fear of God. They go on their own. And that's what happened throughout history. And I want this nation to return, and I know you do also. Amen? Any questions, comments? God's doing it. Thank you. Thank you for your attention today. We can say we can't do it, can't we? Everybody here can say that. Amen? (laughs) Isn't that simple? I can't do it. Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it, Lord. You got to do it. Okay? Take care of it. And then really mean it. A lot of people say, I gave it to the Lord, but man, just a few minutes later, I took it back. (laughs) 
Everybody relate to that? I took it back, okay? I gave it to him again. I took it back. Keep giving it to him. Don't give up. Thank you, Lord, today we keep giving it to you, and we're going to leave it in your hands. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, today as we gather here with Save Savage, and Father, what a blessing it is to have those that we can come fellowship with. Thank you again for your presence in this place, for you speaking. Thank you for your delivering power in our lives. We can't do it, but we yield and surrender our lives to Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.